the World Nomads podcast bonus episode. Hear amazing nomads sharing their knowledge, stories and experience of world travel. Thank you for tuning in to this episode where I'm not exactly sure how to begin my introduction. Daniel Scheffler is travelling the world searching for humanity. They're his words. In fact, as you will hear, his mantra is to seek out conversations, to talk to strangers. Daniel is carefree and he's relaxed. So I'm guessing, Phil, he qualifies as an amazing nomad because he demonstrates so much connection. Connection, connecting locally, that's right. He, he has a book coming out soon. He's written countless publications, been to 127 countries, and now has his own podcast. Good on him. Everywhere, the first iHeartRadio original travel podcast, promising to take listeners on an adventure across the globe. <laughs> I love how patronising you sound. Oh, do you want me to do Good that on again? him. No, no not what? at all. Daniel will love that. Okay. The thing about right. Daniel is he is a big fan of Australia and the, the Australian sense of humour. He's one of those guys I reckon if you have him in your life, then your life would be richer for for it. Um, a couple of things to point out. His favourite TV show is an Australian comedy. He references that, Kath and Kim. Um, he says it a couple of times and two of the characters in the show are Prue and True. Prue and True. Uh, we'll put a link in show notes so you get a bit of an idea. Yep. Uh, look, We caught up with him while he was in the lounge of the airport in Rome after he'd visited my home state, Western Australia. Oh, I went to Parabadu. Yes. And I, well, you'll hear this episode when it, when it comes out because it's really funny, but I went to this kind of really, really remote part, which in fact, um, I went into that town, which has now been decommissioned and there are only three people, all of Australia was talking about it. There are only three people that still live there because of the asbestos. That's <laughs> Whitnoom. You went to um, Whitnoom. I did by accident. But, um, <laughs> it's the only reason, I, really. Do you guys know um, Paul Iskoff? He has a he has a company called Fervor, and they do these amazing push um, pop up dinners in the bush. Gorgeous, really special. And um, I went with Mark Olive. He's a chef. Yes, he's kind of the quintessential um, Aborigine Australian chef. He's fabulous. It just so much fun. I did, however, get super lost and I had a sort of confrontation with a kangaroo. But <laughs> I'm an Aussie now. <laughs> it was like a non-sexual confrontation. It was, it was like almost sexual because this kangaroo had like, I think had a crush on me. wasn't sure if I was going to have sex with this <laughs> or if I was about to get beaten up in Parabadu. <laughs> What a way to end. You are a New York Times and Condé Nast published travel writer and now you're with iHeartMedia doing a travel podcast. So 26 episodes and what's the mission? Well, we we now decided that it's not just 26 episodes. We're going to do kind of as, as much as we need to. That was like I was contractually obligated to do 26. So, so I got into trouble for saying that um, because it's supposed to just keep going. The more I travel, the more stories there are. So I guess I yeah. could just keep going. Well, we're up to episode 76 so far, and we feel as though we've only just got going to. Yeah, I know there is exactly. some yeah, podcasts, exactly. you know, with 300, 400, 500 episodes that are, uh, you know, released weekly. That's a commitment. But once you start, Daniel, you've got to keep going. I agree. Well, you know, the thing that started this whole thing off was my frustration with the travel media was that it was endless amounts of lists and lists and do this and must do and go eat here and stay here and i just felt that 
I didn't need to tell people where to eat or where to stay. Google does that for you or the millions of other websites or travel agents or friends. I need to inspire you to be a certain way, to to get into a headspace, to open yourself up. So I wanted to to kind of, well, we, I think I'm calling it something like rejigging the travel sphere because to me it feels like there was too much vanilla and I was like, we need something that feels more from the heart. Like all this head knowledge was starting to drive me crazy. Like every magazine you opened, every website that came sort of attacking you was like 10 best, five cool bars in Barcelona. And I don't need to tell you about five cool bars alone, bars in Barcelona. I need to tell you how to be in Barcelona. Like I need to inspire you to, to open yourself up to meeting people, to always talking to strangers. I need to inspire you to be generous whilst you're traveling. And those things, I think, is how we find human connections. And isn't that the reason we travel in the first place? Like, we don't get onto the plane because I'm going to go see and check off five interesting bars in Melbourne or five new restaurants in Sydney. Like, that's that's not why I'm on the road. I'm, I'm on the road to, to lose myself, to find myself, right? Yeah, look, and that's why we made contact with you because we have the same philosophy here at World Nomads. Right. I mean, we actually even have, you know, we call them our pillars, which are, you know, you've got to connect with locals when you travel because that's the essence of it. Hopefully you're going to learn something from them and, you know, get some sort of new experience. They all, you know, collect experiences, not possessions thing. And, of course, giving back is kind of a duty uh, in a way if you're going to be a responsible traveller. Um, and, you know, doing all that while staying informed so you're not a blundering idiot when you go about there and you can keep yourself safe. So we feel very much the same way. As a matter of fact, we've just had a big... I mean, we have a lot of blogs as well and we've just just had a change of format. We now write everything... Well, we don't write. We get people to write for us in the first person. (laughs) So this is... So this is their take on Barcelona. write a word. (laughs) (laughs) So this is their take on Barcelona, you know, and and it's not do this. It's like this is how I travelled in Barcelona. Barcelona as inspiration. So you go and find your own thing. Right. Because what you think is a cool bar, bar in Barcelona it might not be what somebody else thinks is a cool bar in Barcelona. Right. Well, there's just all this noise online and there's all this yeah. noise and all these travel publications. And I want to take away from the noise and I want to give you a little bit of silence, a little bit of stay with yourself, travel and feel this. Don't do this necessarily. And it doesn't mean that I mean, I say things like, imagine going to Rome and not going to the Colosseum. Yeah. Or imagine going to Paris and you're skipping the Louvre altogether. And I think those are valid things to think about. Like, why do I need to do all the tourist things? I walked past it and then Googled the, the, the um, Mona Lisa online and thought to oh, myself, lucky I didn't line up for that because yeah. it's like a postage yeah. stamp. <laughs> you said one of the same way. Our uh, general manager in... in the Americas, Christina Tunnow, she's been on the show, and I've spoken about this many times. And it goes to over-tourism, which we'll talk about in a second. But but she said, if you like crusty bread, wine and cheese, any village in France will do. And, you know, I think there's there's another responsibility that we have as people who work in business is we need to deter people from, from crowding Venice. There are such beautiful places in Italy, which I'm going to Julia um, for, for the week, and one of the reasons I like Puglia so much is because it's it's 
not overly touristy. And I think it's our responsibility to remind people to travel outside of these kind of popular places and to go and create their own sense of adventure and to find interesting things in places like Knoxville, Tennessee, Greenville, South Carolina, Parabadu, Western Australia. And those places, I think are there for us to explore and to spend our money and support small businesses, local businesses. And I think all of that feels so much better than actually lining up to see the Mona Lisa or having to go to the Sydney Opera House. You can see it from a distance. It's lovely and it's beautiful, of course. Mm. But needs a good so wash. More. <laughs> oh, it does need a good wash. Yeah, I, I was going to say something, but I didn't want to upset the audience. No. <laughs> you know that uh, piece of equipment that you can buy called a karcher? Have you heard of yeah, that? Yeah, like the, the gurney thing. Yeah, the high pressure. It needs someone to go yes, around it with a... With a but I to have be... a dream of using a high pressure thing all the time on almost everything and on some people. <laughs> <laughs> We need to use it. Well, speaking of which, one of our work colleagues, um, her father is a big fan of the high-pressure washer as well, and she said she came home um, from work one day and she could hear this the pressure washer working somewhere and she actually went upstairs and he was cleaning the tiles in the shower yes. and he sort of like put, you know, up through the window upstairs and he was cleaning the bathroom tiles. That's that's almost My a dream, isn't it, Daniel? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, when she was telling me, she was telling me as a joke against her dad and I'm going, geez, that's a good idea. Yeah, well, it is. It is a good idea. So this podcast, obviously they send you to these places that you're featuring, unlike no, Phil and Oh, okay. I I just go, and these are adventures that I've had from the past, and I just travel. Like I, I am one of those people that just don't say no. So I just get onto the plane and I go somewhere new, and I try new things, and I explore and meet friends, or I just do all of that. So these stories have come from the places that I've been traveling over the last thirty something years, because some of the stories are from my childhood and traveling with my parents and. Others are stories from me as a teenager kind of finding my myself and my voice and my um, kind of opinions by going to places like Israel and Palestine, um, by going to China, by going to Brazil. And I've kind of created this 35-year sort of story thread of my life and using that to tell stories because... I think that's more interesting than listening to me being sent by a company to go somewhere necessarily and do something. I think there's just so, um, there's so much of a need to, to feel like I'm giving people something that feels personal and vulnerable. Like the vulnerability for me is such a beautiful place to be a creative in. And, um, and the podcast, the, the power of audio, the fact that I sit in your neck, in your ear, and you've chosen to spend this 30, 40 minutes with me, it feels intimate. And that relationship to me is so crucially that I don't offer you bullshit, that I give you something really vulnerable and beautiful that you will want to share with a friend. And that's why I always say, like, in, in every episode, I want to make you both cry and laugh. That's life. It is. What did Kylie Minogue offer you? Tears or laughter? I haven't done that yet. So once I... Once I have the green light with that, I will let you know. <laughs> Good. Tell her that there's, there's another great travel podcast that she must be on in her home home uh, country of Australia. 
You know, I am talking to her people and I will mention this to her. <laughs> Thank you very much, Daniel. Appreciate that. So, uh, I'm willing to give her up and give her to you. That would be the generous thing to do. And we'll get you Kath and Kim. Oh my God, I'd die to have Kath and Kim. Maybe I want Prue and True. Yeah, well, you can come Prue to Sydney and, and there are plenty of Prues and Trues. I was in a, in a sh- when I first arrived in Sydney, I was in this uh, shop in, in Manly where I live and the, this woman was saying, they've got ham jam, <laughs> ham, jam. Yeah, ham jam and fig jam, but no plan plan. <laughs> oh, my God. I, you need to get that on audio. Oh, yes. amazing. <laughs> yes. You know, I love Australia and I've spent time there and I have Aussie friends so i get that humor americans do not understand that humor my husband i played him some Captain kim he didn't get it and then i was like oh well once we get to prue and true he'll totally get it and he'll be laughing it did not happen he had he slinked off and pretended to be on a phone call. Oh, that's devastating <laughs> for you. That is – look, I'll send you a few links to a couple of other great Australian shows that you might like. Just on that, we had some feedback about our podcast recently, which yeah. uh, the majority of listeners are in the US, and one of the criticisms was that we put each other down a lot. But that's what Australians uh, do. It's because I love yeah. you, kids. <laughs> <It's> exactly. <laughs> That's how we... Should I say something mean about you now? Yeah, yeah, go yeah, go on. Now we're friends. Yeah, I should put you down. Um, oh, manly. How could you live that? Just yeah, that's it. <laughs> exactly. Although, <laughs> although I actually do say that to her, so, you know. Yeah, he does say that. He does say that. And I also say I'm oh, going to no. cross the river and he says it's not the river, it's, it's the harbour. All right. Pick <laughs> Roll me up. my eyes. Socially isolate me there, mate. Jeez, and don't get us started on Tasmania, whatever you do. Yes, now. Oh. Hang on. <laughs> you've had it. You've visited Phil's home state of Western Australia. Have you dared to travel south to Tasmania? I did. I just did this on this trip and I had the most spectacular time. <sighs> you know, one of the things that I really loved about Tassie was I had such, such, such um, <sighs> kind of no expectations. I was able to really be like, oh, What's Tasmania? I have no reference point. I talk, I was talking to my um, friend who works at the UN, and we'll hear her on one of my episodes. And she was stationed in Eritrea, and she did this um, kind of two-year stint for the UN there. And one of the things we talked about, that's the coffee machine in the background you can hear. Yeah. Um, one of the things we talked about was how nobody has a reference point for Eritrea. You can't Google photos. There's almost no kind of no information about Eritrea. So going there feels really um, kind of out of this um, out of this realm and off social media, which I love. And I had an almost similar feeling about Tasmania where I felt like I didn't have a strong reference point, which means that I was able to arrive and just take it all in. And I met so many beautiful locals and people doing amazing things. Like this guy who um, Adam who rough who owns rough rice, and they he ferments anything. And this girl who owns this incredible restaurant, and she was telling me about how she forages. Annalisa Gregory, and um, I also spent time at the museum, of course, which I think was one of the most spectacular museum experiences of my entire life. Mate, I've and been trying to tell my... Phil. I've been trying to tell Phil. He went He went once and he's with his ex-wife and he's left a bad taste in his mouth. <laughs> but how good? 
<laughs> How good is Mona? Mona's incredible. Oh, you've got to go now. Can you just get a new girlfriend or boyfriend and go with him, her, she, him? <laughs> well, he has a new wife. I do have one. Yeah. Yes, I do. And, yeah. and I've it's been... only been 20 years, so maybe <laughs> I should go back. <laughs> Okay, so get a boyfriend and take your boyfriend. It feels by curious. Is that what we oh, No. I could tell that about you on the phone. <laughs> Not that there's okay. anything wrong with that. No, there's anything wrong with that. As Seinfeld would say. Oh. No. no. Well, I'm I glad do, you... I do have to say, at my second wedding, also to a woman, um, I said, yeah, hands up everybody who thought I was gay the first time I met, they met me, and she put her hand up, of course, you know, so... <laughs> I get how it happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh. people say that about me too, but the thing is, I do have a husband. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a bit of a giveaway, yes. <laughs> yeah. There is this thing. Well, you know, so the thing is, like, I, like I, love, I love Tasmania because I feel like it sort of embodies something, something quintessentially Australian and there's an inclusiveness which of course I realise that it is one of the places in the world where some of the most horrific things happen there's a there's an inclusiveness now that I really appreciate where people are so friendly and open and the very fact that he built that museum there means that there's a kind of anyone is welcome everyone's welcome and that is Australia that is the beauty of your country and I love that and you can travel anywhere I always say this and you can definitely need some Aussies and you will know that you will have a good time with these Aussies no matter what. And I love that. That's such a compliment to your country. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's very nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, now I should say something mean. Now you're yeah, being yeah, mean, that's yeah, it. It's like, yeah, say something mean. Yeah, I don't know you well enough to say something mean to you. Well, what do we sound like? Oh, what's the, you know, no, 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 what's the one? What's the difference between that's Australia and, the difference between Australia and yogurt? Yogurt, yogurt's got a culture. <laughs> that one? <laughs> oh, I disagree. I feel like Australians have such an incredible culture. One of the things that I love is you get to Australia and the cab driver is like, why are you sitting in the back seat? You yes. should be up front with me. And that's a culture. And I think that that's very special. It does mean that there's an inclusiveness and a friendship, friendship opening and all these incredible opportunities. People travel all the time and they too scared to make friends. Like one of my episodes, I talk about thou shalt always talk to strangers. And I've done that for 30 plus years. And it's been this, um, it's been this kind of testament to, to my travel life. Like I'm never afraid to talk to strangers. Some of the best friends I've made have been next to me on a plane and we're still friends years later. And I, I think, I wish we could just get people to think in that way. To just yeah. open yourself up and not see the difference, see the similarity. Yeah. Conversation is great. Well, okay. And then there's the other version of this. And I was on a flight recently to somewhere in America. Um, and there was a Trump supporter with a MAGA hat yep. sitting next to me. And I am not a, a Trump supporter. I did not. I do not support him, but I felt my duty as someone, as, as a New Yorker, as someone of the world, as a traveler, was to talk to this person who sat right next to me. So we did. We had a conversation and we discussed and I didn't argue with him. I just wanted to hear his point of view. And it was fascinating. And I, I affirmed his beliefs for him. And I was like, great, you know, those are your beliefs. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in no way challenging whether you are allowed to have those beliefs. And it was this beautiful sharing moment. And we had this at 34,000 feet in the sky 
flying over Kansas City. And I don't know if I would have necessarily had that if I wasn't traveling. Yeah. And this person was so different to me. This person had never spoken to a gay person, for instance. He said to me, I was the first homosexual well, that he knows of. <laughs> yeah, come yeah, on. Nah, yeah, come on. <laughs> um, that he spent time with. And, and at the end of the conversation, he, he sort of said this thing to me where he was like, I had prejudice when I saw you. And I thought, wow. I mean, I had prejudice when I saw you. <laughs> you're wearing a MAGA hat. <laughs> you're wearing a MAGA hat. And I love that I was able to overcome that at 34,000 feet in an enclosed space. And it was like, that's what travel teaches you, to just remind yourself of those moments are important. And this person and I, I mean, our beliefs are so different, but we were the same. We were just one thing. Yeah. Traveling. I should say something funny. This is very serious. But yeah. I am kind of serious. And then well, no, fun. no, but it is um, serious. I think there's a lot of that is missing in discourse at the moment. I mean, everything is polarised quite a lot. And it's, I'm right, you're wrong, wrong and I'm not going to let you say your opinion. And that comes from both right. sides. And, you know, I'd like to get back to, you know, a more pluralistic type of attitude where I always forget which famous, was it Rousseau? I don't know, who said, I don't agree with your opinion, but I will fight to the death you're right to say it and we don't have that so much anymore and I think and I'm sure you agree too when you travel you you have the opportunity to have your say and in exactly the way you described when you travel you are confronted by these things that may not be of you or of your beliefs it's good to challenge those beliefs I mean I remember and this is probably kind of more an obvious example but spending time in India I had to really challenge my own beliefs. And I spent time in ashrams. I spent time kind of all over India. And it came up so many times where teachers or just people I met would say to me, why do you have these beliefs, these old beliefs? Are you willing to become the witness to these beliefs and assess them? And it doesn't mean that like I have to throw them out. It just means that I have to be able to defend them which is like this game I like to play called Defend the Decor, which we could play right now if we were in the same room. But you could play it together. It's when you have an item, which is possibly not the most beautiful decor item, you have to play Defend the Decor. So you have to give us a reason why it exists. You can have a go at the shirt I'm wearing right now if you want to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, trying to work Phil's shirt out. What do you think of those shirts that have the buttons on the side where you can uh, roll them up, Daniel, and then sort of tie them so that they end up short sleeve shirts? Hard no. Hard, hard no. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's it. It's going in the bin immediately. For you, Um, I will supply you with a new shirt. (laughs) (laughs) It's been so great to talk to you. Everywhere is on iHeartRadio. And welcome to the Podcast Club. Thanks, guys. Big love. Big love to you too, Daniel. I just love you. We'll we'll have a link in show notes to everywhere, which, as you can tell, listening to Daniel, uh, we've already said he takes a carefree and open approach to travel, and you can just hear that, encouraging listeners to explore the world freely in a meaningful way. And uh, please have a conversation with us. Get in touch with us via email at podcast at worldnomads.com and listen to our episodes by grabbing them from wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Do subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, and we'd love it if you could tell your friends about us too. Please. 
Nomads. And we're on Facebook, the World we Nomads are. podcast. It's, it's what it says on the can. <laughs> uh, we also, like Daniel, are available through the iHeart app. In our next episode, we're off to Palau. Fantastic. Bye. Bye. Amazing Nomads. Be inspired.